chapter 3, 1 through 8. You cannot, of course, speak of regeneration, uh, being born again, uh, without including this very important text. John uh, chapter 3, Jesus' conversation with the Pharisee Nicodemus, 1 through 8. This is God's word. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Uh, This is God's holy word. Again, pray with me. We ask, Lord, that in these moments you would open our minds, our hearts, that you would be our teacher, uh, that you would renew uh, our minds, that you would... Uh, renew um, our um, our hearts uh, to see and behold afresh the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, last week as we began this little series on regeneration, we looked at just two basic questions. Uh, one of them was, uh, one of the statements was, we need it, we need to be regenerated, we need help, uh, we, need, we need God's life. And the second thing is that God does it all. Uh, and that through the ministry of the Spirit. We're going to be going over that roughly that same uh, outline today, but we'll be extending and deepening our understanding into what actually the Spirit is doing. What is the Spirit doing and, and that the way in which he uh, brings life to us. This is the story of Nicodemus, and the story of Nicodemus teaches us very clearly that everyone needs to be regenerated. There, is no, there are no exceptions here, and yet there are two problems that confront him and confront each of us in this day, and that is, we have a problem with blindness. We cannot see the kingdom, and we have a problem with being powerless. We cannot enter the kingdom. We cannot see the kingdom. We cannot enter the kingdom on our own. Uh, this, this, the passage opens up in verse 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot see, you cannot understand it, you cannot perceive it, but in particular, you cannot value it. And what perhaps is shocking to some, that even among the religious, there is not a seeing there is not a valuing of the kingdom of God. Jesus seems to be anticipating, coming from Nicodemus's heart, the same question that emerges in chapter 6 of John 
and that was when uh, when the t- the scribes came to Jesus and asked him this question: What must I do to do the works of God? Similar question to what the rich young ruler brought to Jesus. This would certainly be on the mind and the hearts of the Pharisees. What must I do? Perhaps that I'm not doing. Perhaps that I need to do better. What must I do to do the works of God? And Jesus' bracing, shocking answer in chapter 6 is believe in the one he has sent. What you need to do? Believe in the one he has, he had sent. Nicodemus's problem, and it is the human problem, is that there is a welling up in our own hearts that we must do something for God to impress God. Religious people, however, Jesus is saying, uh, need to be reborn just as much as the irreligious people. In fact, the only difference between the religious person and the irreligious person is that the religious person may presume that they already have it, that new life. Jonathan Edwards puts it this way, that the religious may be even worse off than the irreligious because they are blinded by their presumed goodness. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. We cannot see it in our native state. We have no interest in it. We do not value it. We are also powerless, verse 5 says, uh, to enter in. Unless you're born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus would later say, you must be born again. That, my dear friends, is not good news. That is not the gospel. Uh, It is not a command that you are able to fulfill. It is a condition. You need to be born again. And Nicodemus tries to solve this himself. Well, let's see. How can I do that? Enter my mother's womb? Sorry, moms. Every time I say that, that must be a a very difficult thing for even you to hear. but it is the folly of, self, of self-salvation. The law of the kingdom, verse 6, says that the flesh only gives birth to flesh. The spirit gives birth to spirit. You are born, this reminiscent of chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, you are born not of blood, uh, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. You don't have kids uh, or, or the kids that are, are born to you are of your own blood because you've decided you want to have them and, and they're from the husband's initiative. All of that. But here it says, chapter 6, verse 63, again, a bracing verse, the spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. Thou must save and thou alone. There we are. In our, in our unregenerate state, we have two major problems. We don't seek the kingdom, we don't value the kingdom, and we're not able, we're powerless to enter the kingdom. We need something else. We need to be operated on by God. And so the Spirit, Second, my second point then, is the Spirit alone regenerates. This is God's work. My definition from last week, the shorter definition from last week, is God... God's uh, regeneration or causing us to be born again is God's imparting new life 
through the Holy Spirit, the giver of life. God's imparting new life through the Holy Spirit, who is the giver of life. And this is, re- this is um, reminiscent of the Nicene Creed, which says, among other things, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. We do not have life in ourselves apart from the Spirit. We do not need just a little enabling grace. We're heading in the right direction. We see value in the kingdom of God and we just need a little bit of nudging, a little bit of extra energy from the Spirit in order to bring us over the top and into the kingdom. No, this is the first abiding of the seed of God in our lives so that we begin to see and we begin to desire the kingdom of God. Just as Spirit would hover over the face of the waters, Genesis chapter 1, and give, give life to creation, so it is with us. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit imparts that life. Well, the phrase here, of course, is translated um, in, uh, in verse 3 as, uh, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that does refer then, uh, as, it, as Nicodemus understands it, to a second birth. That's the way he saw it. There's another way to look at it, though, and that is unless you are born from above, you cannot receive or see the kingdom of God. And this word, the very same word is used later on in the Gospel of John, where Jesus' tunic is being described, and it is described in this way. It is woven in one piece from top to bottom. It is put together in one piece, stitched from top uh, to bottom. Uh, uh, and so this may also be, and I think it certainly is, a top-down birth. A birth from above. These words from Martin Luther. By my own reason or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him but the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel. I cannot, I, I cannot believe, um, I cannot come uh, unless the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit calls me through the gospel. And that is that birth, that, 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 coming, that, that coming down from above. This is, as theologians like to say, a monergistic act of God. God alone working, not synergistic, where there is a cooperation with our efforts uh, being aided by God's work. This is God's rescue. It is not a cooperative effort. So the Spirit works to regenerate. This is God's work. And it is also, verse 8 says, a, a sovereign work according to the will of God. Um, the, the wind blows where it wishes, you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes, so it is, is with everyone born of the Spirit. Have you dropped a dollar bill uh, out on the parking lot on a windy day, and it flits here and there, and you're trying to, you're trying to step on it, you're trying to pr- project where the wind's going to be blowing and, and, and get that dollar bill? You can't foresee. God works uh, through His Word, sovereignly, not automatically. God works to save those whom he will through his word. We don't know when, 
or in whom the Spirit is going to work, but we can certainly see the fruit, the evidence of it. It is a sovereign work. It is also an irreversible work. That is, the one who has received the new birth cannot revert to his or her pre-born status. You cannot become unborn. This is a heavenly birth wherein God intervenes and gives you that life from heaven that is irreversible. I, I think sometimes we can look, especially those of us who have brought up, been brought up in the church, we can be rather unimpressed with our own conversion stories. We may have grown up in the church. We may have come from nice families. Uh, some of us, anyway, did not have any periods of loud rebellion. And, uh, and we sometimes wish that our, con- our conversions could have been more dramatic. Well, I'm impressed with your conversion. God implanted a seed from heaven that is an abiding seed that will never die. You are heavenly born. It is an irreversible birth. But I want to look more intently then at regeneration which brings that new spiritual life. The work of the Spirit in regeneration that brings that new spiritual life. We want to look at three things. The Spirit illumines our minds. Uh, The Spirit purifies our hearts. And the Spirit then renews our wills, our desires. The Spirit renews our desires. And we'll be looking at these things throughout the next several weeks as well. First of all, the Spirit illumines our minds. Um, Once I was blind, uh, but now I can see, the great hymn says, and this of God. But what can be seen, what can be seen is the beauty of God himself. Uh, What what preoccupies the minds of the unbeliever? What what does the unbeliever think about? What is the unbeliever, what's going on in the mind and heart of an unbeliever? Believe it or not, it is a gnawing sense of insecurity. Um, Herman Bobbing puts it this way, and, and I'll just explain. This, this, as a result of being uh, created by God and being, being placed in his world where God's fingerprints are all around us, but also in us, the covenant of works uh, made with Adam is still perceived. It is still perceived. This is, this is Herman Bobbing. Every man feels himself to be duty-bound in conscience to serve God and to live according to his laws. Every man has the awareness that if he does not do this, he is guilty and deserving of punishment. The law of the broken covenant of works is still operative in the heart of every man. The moral law proclaimed by God from Sinai simply sharpened the content of its commandments and the duty to keep them. So what is in the heart of man? A sense of guilt and a sense of deserving punishment. Of course, people seek to suppress that. 
Of course, people seek to explain that away and just describe it as the vestiges of some primitive time. But that's the heart of the human being. And when we come to believe in Christ, the Spirit is beginning to work in us. We are believing into Christ. We realize that we are getting Him and we're getting all His benefits. And so for the first time, we begin to see beauty. We begin to be alive to beauty. For the first time, we see something of Christ that is a breath of fresh air, that is a light in the midst of the darkness of our own hearts. For the first time, we are alive to beauty and we begin to see ourselves as once being poor, but now being rich in Christ. Of once being guilty, but now being fully acquitted. And our eyes marvel at the beauty of Christ who is in us, the hope of glory. In Christ who has hidden all of the treasures and wisdom and knowledge of God. And to recognize Christ who is the wisdom of God that is for us. That is the wisdom of God. And we have Christ and His righteousness and His holiness and His redemption. That is a renewal, and illuminating of our minds. I'm seeing life completely differently now. Not looking at myself, but fascinated, enjoying the presence and the gifts of Christ himself. The Spirit illumines our minds. The second thing is that the Spirit purifies our hearts. He purifies our hearts. Now, without the Holy Spirit, uh, we can only tweak uh, our behavior. We are born of water and spirit. And without that, uh, the best that we can do is merely tweak our behavior some. We can decide and we can develop some new habits, and these are all good, you know, to get up a little earlier, um, to, uh, to eat better, to get better exercise, watch less TV, um, you know, and, and, and all of these things that we're, we're seeking to do, we're really, what we're expecting to happen is we're expecting to change from the outside in. We're expecting that if we change certain behaviors, then that's going, to affect, it's going to actually change who we are. But the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out. And we see Jesus in all the beauty of his holiness. Listen to this word. The object of our fascination is changing. The unbeliever is fascinated with himself or herself. Um, his or her progress, his or her behavior, his or her actions. But the one who, in whom the Spirit is working to purify our hearts, the fascination is being, self-fascination is, is being replaced with fascination of Christ. To be born again um, is to love and to desire and to delight in God himself. The Spirit is purifying our heart. Our outward sins uh, show us the real problem. As uh, Dr. Kravenam, a professor of mine back in the late, mid-70s in, in, uh, in, in Covenant College, Dr. Kravenam would say this, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And, and so it is. Our sins show us the real problem, which is the corrupt desires and the corrupt loves 
that are in our hearts. And it was Thomas Almers who, uh, who uh, it, it is sometimes tongue-in-cheek, said this is a great name for a sermon, the expulsive power of a new affection. Um, some, some say the name is better than the sermon itself was. But that's another point. But, but, but what he's saying is still true. It is the expulsive power of a new affection that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The evil desires are being replaced with the stronger desires that we have now for Christ. And so it is through the preaching of Christ that the Spirit is working to change us, to alter, to purify our hearts, to, to strain away the fascination and love of evil so that the glory of Christ is elevated and that we desire it. The Spirit purifies our hearts and our hard hearts, as we hear the gospel of Christ, our hard hearts begin to soften. The wax that has been so hard is now turning liquid under the heat and the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Spirit enters our hearts, He softens our hearts as we become more aware of the kindness of God and our conscience begins to taste how sweet is the bitter death of Jesus and how merciful our loving God is through Christ. When Christ is preached and we see him as the person whom we really need and love, our hearts do love him. So this is not, this passage in John 3 is not talking about baptism, uh, but purification of sin and defilement. It is a new attitude towards sin. We see it. Uh, we see it as dirty. We see it as something that is even repulsive. Uh, we are looking at life differently. The Spirit purifies our hearts. And let me remind you then of verse uh, 25 of Ezekiel 36. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. The Spirit illumines our minds. We're seeing things differently. The Spirit purifies our heart with that water and the Spirit uh, so that we are, we are, are now... Um, we, we, we now ha- have that uh, revulsion towards that uncleanness. He has cleansed us from our idols. And then finally, finally, verse, the Spirit renews our desires. Let me read, go on to read uh, 26 and 27, Ezekiel 36. The Spirit finally renews our desires. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. Now, now what changes what changes take place as a baby is released from her mother's womb? What, what changes take place? That would be a good conversation to have around the supper table. The, the, the baby begins to taste things that he or she had never tasted before. Uh, the baby 
be, is able to see mom and dad and to be able to distinguish after a while their separateness from himself or herself. And the baby begins to love. These are changes that take place when the baby exits the womb over a period of time. The desires of the renewed heart have changed. You want different things. You want different things. I'm going to ask you to turn back with me to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Uh, this psalm it beautifully, uh, and, and prior to um, the, the coming of Jesus, of course, but, but beautifully describes the, re, the heart that is regenerated by the Spirit of God through the work of Jesus Christ. It is the fruit of the regenerated heart. Uh, beginning at verse 7, just remember that the law is described and then you see the consequences or the outcome of the law as it's put in these different forms. The law of the Lord is perfect. It is perfect. It gives life to the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Uh, those who are wondering about what to do uh, and can be given to folly, that makes wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. They are consistent with how we are made and what truly satisfies the heart. So the, the, the precepts of the Lord, because they are right, they cause our hearts to rejoice. And the commandment of the Lord is pure. We can never obey God and have a guilty conscience. It is pure. It is good. And our souls and our consciences resonate with that purity and with that beauty. It enlightens our eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean and during forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. I want to think about that in the context of a simple command to speak the truth. We are to speak the truth to one another. We are not to uh, bear false witness. Uh, we are to be speak. We are to speak the truth, which also implies living honestly and living with integrity. That's the law. That's the that's the command. And yet, it is so much more than that. It is a way of life that reflects our having been renewed. And it is a common problem for us to live, to evade the truth in our own lives and hearts and, and everything else, the way we speak. That's a common problem. But I bring it up today because it is also a problem that can particularly, um, particularly get, get, get roots in this COVID situation in which we live. What do I, what do I mean by that? This COVID situation leads us to isolation. And that isolation can lead us uh, to, into a sense of sadness. Uh, the COVID loneliness can lead us to a sense of depression. And yet the great danger is, instead of being forthcoming about that, instead of speaking about that, the danger is that as we are isolated, we can practice trying to cope and oftentimes do it without God. Do it certainly without our brothers and sisters the way we normally do. But it's a danger of living without God. It is an easy thing to hide behind the shield of pretense and just say that we're okay. 
but, but not being free to, to speak about what's really going on in our lives, we're not able to love each other well. We're not able to help each other. And as we practice separation, we are learning independence and practicing independent lifestyles. And so we are no longer living with integrity. We must fight that. We hide our needs from others often because we're embarrassed. And we may hide our sins from God because of our shame. But look with me at verse, at verse 10. More to be desired are all of these commands. And right now we're thinking about truth. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Living with integrity is more desirable than gold. Living with honesty is sweeter than honey. We're living before God and living before one another. Honest about what's going on in our lives so that we can receive the ministry and the help both from people and from God himself. So I want to ask you just one, one major question as we conclude this, an application point. And that is, has your relationship with the law changed? Has your relationship with the law changed? You see, it is no longer to be, uh, do this and you shall live. It is no longer do this and you shall live, but it is the reverse. And that is because you now live, you love this. Not just do it, but you love it. Because you live, you now love righteousness. Of course you ought to obey. We'll look at this a little bit more next, next week. Of course you ought to obey. But even the unbeliever realizes that. The important question, the spiritual question is this. Do you want to obey because you delight in God? Do you want to obey? That is the Spirit's glorious work. Let's pray. God and Father, again, we are humble before you. And we long for our hearts to be more and more um, sold out to love the things that you love, to love the beauty of your law, to love and desire righteousness more than anything else. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, even in these weeks that we are looking at your work in renewing us, that uh, we would be more and more um, surrendered to the beauty of your righteousness. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.